Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Two Pants. I'm Leah. I'm Vivian. And welcome to our show. So Leah, you auditioned for a music video this week. How did that go? So one of my first ever jobs was as a casting assistant. Yeah. Um. So one of the girls that I met, well, women now, she's like married with, with a child. One of the women that I met, I follow her on Instagram because she was a casting assistant as well. I and mean, then now she's gone into casting herself as a casting director. So I followed her on Instagram and she did, did this post where she's casting for a music video for a two-time Grammy award-winning British artist and they're looking for a dark-skinned black girl doesn't have oh. to be like they're looking for they were looking for anyone so like not necessarily a model blah 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 so I emailed her and I was like yeah um definitely not a model but I'll throw my hat into the ring so uh-huh. on Saturday I was like filming myself and it was so awkward and I bought a tripod and everything and I was like dancing around in my room because they wanted like carefree dancing and when they wanted like a specific scene acted out so it's very interesting, okay. but I'm, I feel like I'm at that point in my life where I'm like going to grasp onto absolutely anything that comes my way because I'm just like, I have no idea what I want to do, but I'm just going to take every single opportunity or put myself out there for every single opportunity that comes along. Absolutely. Like you just don't know where anything is going to take you. And even if it leads to absolutely nothing, you've auditioned for a music video and you know how to do that now. <laughs> Maybe it'll be slightly different <laughs> for each video, but now you have a tripod now there's other things you can do with that like nothing is ever lost um that's so exciting the only way I think I could relate was when I um do you remember when I was an extra on that um Mm -hmm. like that's the only thing I can kind of relate it to so (laughs) my friends and I in at university we got these core round for a show for a documentary that was being filmed by the the history channel and it was basically about um, gangs of like New York, Harlem in the 1970s. So we were casted as people dancing in the background. And what was interesting was like, there's actually no music playing. <laughs> there was no music playing. We were just dancing up and down, trying to look like we're having the best time of our lives. And then, yeah, we got paid like 70 quid for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun which was fun yeah I was like oh my goodness like that's actually a lot of money (laughs) for basically doing nothing Mm. yeah that's like my only thing that I think maybe I could relate to but no never a music video that's like that seems like fancy not fancy but like cool you know like cool like oh especially if it's like a rapper or something that would be very very cool I'm assuming so because I I was trying to find a list of people of British artists who have won a Grammy two times and I can't think of anyone who would want specifically a dark-skinned woman yeah maybe Stormzy. but also um yeah. our Vivian here was almost almost in sex education as an extra as well oh me right oh my god no it's so crazy so I was literally booking my tickets to go to Cardiff because they they pick you up from Cardiff so I signed all the papers ready to go got all my like stuff ready and then they cancelled it so they cancelled it like a week before they said that unfortunately because of the weather they had to stop filming Mm -hmm. 
so I couldn't go but imagine if I was on sex education like that would have been my claim to fame forever (laughs) forever (laughs) and I don't even know which actor I would have been like in the same place with but imagine it was Inkiti that's what I was thinking you and Shuti would be good friends (laughs) you'd just be shaking your asses in the corner (laughs) we would be boys I would be such a beg with him like he's so amazing I really really appreciate his art and stuff so like yeah God knew that the bragging I would have done would be too much so he said let's humble this girl because even with that audition (laughs) you know how much I bragged (laughs) everybody knew everybody knew I had that um filming like nah I would have I would have talked too much any conversation I'll just try and drop it in somehow like oh do you watch sex education do you have Netflix by any chance yeah go to you know season two episode five minute zero zero five thirty three like you're gonna see me there (laughs) you're going to (laughs) see me there but now God knew God knew my behavior is too wayward he didn't want to bless me that much But it is just something that I thought about. I was just like, oh, if I get it, I'll just be like, you know, a full-time worker, part-time video vixen, as you do. Video vixen, as you do. I mean, you totally deserve, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody is going to be shaking their bum. Some of us are just going to be standing there, you know, basking in our beauty. Like, and that's enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is, that's that's all they really need to see. Like, nothing really else. But yeah, part-time video vixen. You should really change your Instagram bio so they know. <laughs> so yep. they know getting in for before they even approach, they know. Listen, I'm a part-time video vixen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't get out of joke. bed for less than seventy pounds. Yes. Yeah, so before you approach me, please know who you're talking to first, okay? A whole British award-winning, you know, artist. It's no joke, bro. It's it's actually <laughs> no joke. Oh, but that's really, really cool. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Let's see, when do they say they'll get back to you? Oh, I'm, I'm probably not going to get it because ugh, this is something that I am bad with. So I knew that the they, I think they told us on Thursday that we needed to get them a tape of ourselves <clears throat> by Saturday at 5pm. And I knew that I had full day of meetings Thursday, full day of meetings Friday. So I ordered my tripod and stuff to come on the Friday. So and on Saturday, I was there like recording, but I didn't manage to leave myself enough time to edit it in time because everything was just failing and my phone went out of space because I was recording on my phone in the end. And um, I got it in at like 5.35, but she's downloaded the file. So who knows? But it films in like two weeks. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. At least you know she has it. Mm. At least you know she has it. But you've also had some, it's not amazing news because you knew it was coming, but you've had a great time because you are now, how old are you now? How old are you now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. This This year has been so banging, like, Honestly, it's just been such a roller coaster. So I turned 24 this week and it's the first time ever in my entire life, I think, because I don't remember my first birthday party. So in like recent memory, that actually got a birthday cake. And um so my family, I, I'm I'm with my aunt and she's like, Oh yeah, we have to do something. 
so we got a cake she's like come on you have to dress up I bought a dress but like I did everything but I wasn't really doing it with conviction you know when you're just like oh, okay I'll do it like they'll say it and I'm like okay I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it and then yesterday which was Saturday I got dressed up did my makeup everything taking pictures and then like my mum and my brothers came around but it was fine because my aunt has like a big enough house that everybody can socially distance and still like be together I don't know how to explain it because she has like a big garden Mm. and stuff so like my aunt was saying to me oh you should invite your friends and I was like um it's corona I am the biggest advocate for staying (laughs) in your homes like (laughs) like out of everyone you're telling the wrong person (laughs) I'm not inviting Mm. anyone that isn't my family because I know my family I know where they've been and and even then I don't really even then I'm still like we still have to socially distance but whatever Mm. in it so yesterday I got ready went to pick up my cake and then my aunt was like oh you have to dance in and I was like I'm not getting married like what what are we doing over here it's just (laughs) it's just a simple get together she's like no babe like come on it needs to be like you're probably having a party I'm like okay whatever so I'm dancing in and everything and I'm already like quite overwhelmed because I've never ever done this before and then I came in when my friends were there oh and I literally just burst into tears like actual tears I started crying like a baby it was quite embarrassing <laughs> and they were like oh my goodness Viv, what is wrong with you because I've one I've never had a surprise I was so 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 overwhelmed with emotions different type of emotions just going through my head and I was just so pleased to see them as well like these are people that I haven't seen in years some of them I haven't seen in years literally like because they're family friends you know some family friends you just don't see them when like your parents move away and stuff you just don't see each other and then yeah we just sat down had a chat everybody was having a good time yeah so it was really good it was really 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 good there is like a special type of friend that is like a family friend Mm. where it's like I'm not like the easiest type of friend but it kind of is in that there's just certain people that you never had to try with because they were always there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never had to go out. You never had to find things in common. It was just sort of like they came around to your house for dinner. You were excited because you had someone to chat with while your parents, you know, because, you know, African parents, when they're talking, you can't be in the same room. So instead of like being in your room by yourself, you had some company to have a chat with. Yeah, so it was really nice to see those people after so many years gave me a little bit of hope it's the fact that you are in and I'm approaching the mid-20s do you know what it is like I think 23 was weird like I don't remember what I said to you about 23 but 23 was a weird time for me turning 23 was like oh my god I'm so scared I just left uni I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life but 24 feels a little bit more grounded it feels a little bit more like do you know what? I'm a little bit more stable. Like I have a full-time job, you know, I'm happy with like the pace of my life, how it's moving. I feel a little bit more in control. I mean, God still laughs when we make plans, but I I feel a little bit more in control than I did a year ago. And I feel a bit more confident with some of my decision-making because honestly, like Mm -hmm. after that experience in Spain, it just made me have to mature really quickly. Like I couldn't rely on my parents as much as I, I normally would. I couldn't rely on my friends as much as I normally would. I just had to trust 
in myself and in my decisions and that what I was doing was right so yeah I'm just going with that same energy into 24 and just trying to develop into more more into myself and my like decision making because that was a really really big thing for me I'm a very very indecisive person so being able to feel confident about a decision is a massive deal for me but yeah oh honestly I'm just conflicted because I look forward to the wisdom and the confidence that comes with with age and with knowing who you are and your place in the world at the same time it's also just like I'm very very aware that like as a woman your value kind of decreases from 25 on oh my god have you been getting that yeah it's weird isn't it one notable thing that I've, I know I, I got this year was that everybody that prayed for me, like Nigerians, was all about husband. Like everyone, everyone. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, next year we're going to, you know, you're going to get married. Everyone, oh, by this time next year, you're going to be married. By this time next year, you're going to be married. And it's that thing of as soon as you hit, I think it's 23, or I think it's even 21. Once you've graduated, they kind of try to fast track your life into marriage and having kids and becoming a mother and all of that jazz but in my mind I've only just started my life so to get married is such a huge milestone for me I'm not even there yet in a year's time but yeah it's Mm. very weird it's very weird and it leads back to how society sees us because there's no way you're expecting a 24 year old who has no house she's not I'm not really financially that stable yet for me to be thinking about bringing another person into my life to then give birth to uh, nah <laughs> no I get that I completely understand it's just like it's weird like I think we've talked before about how much society fetishizes youth like I don't know where I got it into my head that I would end up on the Forbes 30 under 30 but I'm just aware that there's less time and mm. I think that we just need to get rid of this idea that an achievement is better because you did it at a younger age yeah it's not <laughs> it's still an achievement it's Mm. still an achievement whatever age and the thing is even as you get older the obstacles to you achieving those things is even higher because you have other responsibilities and things to take care of like it's more impressive for a woman in her 40s to graduate with a degree than it is i think for a 21 year old too because the society was literally built there's a roadmap for you to do it at 21 for you to go through all of these life, life obstacles have a family find the time around a job around supporting all of these people to do it in your 40s is just so commendable yeah so yeah I'm conflicted like I'm still wearing sunscreen regularly and I'm about to I'm just waiting for myself to hit 25 so I can start on the retinoids um (laughs) until then I'm trying to think what other things like I'm I'm trying to self-preserve like I know it's really unrealistic to look at Angela Bassett and be like that's the kind of 60 I want I need to get millions of, of dollars for that to be the kind of 16 that I have. But <laughs> You can start somewhere, okay? Just start first by wearing your mm. sunscreen. Very, very important. I don't think there's anything wrong in wanting to preserve your youth, your youthful looks. I don't think there's anything wrong with a 40-year-old woman wanting to have a 20-year-old girl, like, lady skin. I think that is just part of self-care. But in terms of, like, wanting to infantilize I think that's different I think it's different wanting to be young than wanting to look youthful I think those are two sides of the same coin because why is it that we can look at men in their 40s and think oh you know that's the kind of like when we see them with a little bit of the salt and pepper hair and the bit of the gray it's like arousing whereas a woman like a woman in her 40s wants to look 20 
I think it's also because men in their 40s will still date 20 year olds. Yeah. And men in the 50s will still date 20 year olds. And everyone will still date a 20 year old. So it's yeah. like, whereas women, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with that, actually, because it's like, oh, why is it that? But then I guess it depends on the person. I guess it depends on the person because a a 40-year-old woman, I, I can't explain it. When I think of looking 20 at 40, I feel like you can still tell somebody is a 40-year-old woman. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's the thing. That's the thing. They'll never really look 20 at 40. No, they wouldn't. I don't know. I just feel like I'm torn between wanting to look as young as possible just because I know that it literally pays you to look as young as possible. Like, it's a fact that attractive people are paid more than non-attractive people. And Mm. I think it's also a fact that we equate youth with beauty and old with ugly. So people are trying to stay youthful because they know that they, they want to hold on to the privileges of beauty for as long as they possibly can. Yes. And that's privileges in career-wise. That's also privileges, especially if you're in like a public-facing job. But then it's yeah. also the privilege of choosing romantic partners. The yeah. younger you look, or the younger you are, the more options you have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's true. I think I'm just thinking we need to overthrow the patriarchy. But that's <laughs> Essentially, that's what everything leads to. Essentially, that is what everything leads to. It's just... Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. In the end, again, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody do whatever they want to do, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. But um, are you looking forward to turning twenty-four? I if, there's a difference I think between knowing what I know and like fully in your chest believing it because we've all been indoctrinated since we were kids. Yeah. So I'm looking, like I said before. I'm like I'm looking forward to like the knowledge and the experience and the confidence that will come with growing older but not necessarily the growing older part. Uh, yeah. I think we need to see growing older as more of being a privilege rather than a de- like like the growing a older person. Like a deterioration. Like Because obviously, when you think about old, you think about the not having the ability to do things or being forgotten by society or having to move on. But like it's actually such a privilege to be a 40 year old like with that much experience that much stability some people just like well anyway like mature well I think it's so nice to as we grow older to become more confident in ourselves to live our true best life because at 26 25 can you really live your true best lives with no money I don't think so (laughs) I just don't think so but yeah that's 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 something that youth is wasted on the young Mm. yeah it's not worth it. You can't. Like everybody is chasing this millionaire status by twenty five. Why? <laughs> why do you why do you want to be a millionaire at twenty five? Yeah? Mm. Enjoy your life, like and then have your money at forty where you're truly able to spend and but also achieve to do great things at a young age. I'm like, I mean, I'm always there for that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, we're doing like why be a millionaire at twenty five? I'm like, that would be nice. It would be nice. be really nice. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice. No, but it's a lot of. I'm saying that it's a lot of pressure. Mm, definitely, it's, it's a lot to of pressure to put on yourself to say, "I want to be a millionaire by 25." I'm not saying you shouldn't strive for that. I'm just saying it's a lot. You've only been alive for 25 years. Some mm. companies have not even been around for that long. And especially, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure, especially for a generation like ours 
who are not expected to do as well as our parents yeah. financially because of all of the economic changes, because they're cutting down on pensions, because they're cutting down on government assistance, because they're cutting down on yeah. all of these other things. And property prices are rising. We're not able to enter the property market. We're not able to in, like participate in the economy as fully as our predecessors were. Uh. It's a lot of pressure for us to want to be millionaires because we're able to see all of this wealth. But inequality has also been so much worse than it's been before and it's continuing to get worse yeah yeah yeah. because obviously like back in the day to have a level of access to certain things in society most of the time all you had to do was go to university because not a lot of people could afford to go to university but now we all go to university we all have access to basically the same resources so it's a lot harder for us to move classes like if that's still a thing if there's still like a class system the middle class is now so saturated and the difference between the higher class and the middle is so high and nobody is making that jump anytime soon just because we're all on the same playing ground everybody is basically doing the Mm. same thing it's not to say that you're not going to be successful but the the level of success people are chasing is going to be obviously a lot higher which means we need to now access a higher level of resources which everybody still has access to do you see what i mean so whenever you're still succeeding you still feel like i'm still not doing enough because you're still not leaving that that class group that you're in i think it's really interesting to see how entrepreneurial and how determined and ambitious like our generation is in comparison to like maybe our parents and stuff because I guess for them it was like oh once I go to university then I can get a job and I can make money and move out of my class but for us it's like the dreams are a lot bigger like thankful for opportunities for that we're just exposed to so much more like we we can see people living all of these extraordinary lives and taking advantage of all these opportunities Mm. so like in ways that we like our parents never could quite see it like they may read about certain people in Forbes magazine but like we are able to see it like we have greater access to like our billionaires are tweeting yeah you know yeah so they're a lot more accessible and their lifestyles are a lot more accessible to be seen and for us to for people to aspire to than it's ever been before but yeah mixed feelings about growing older mixed feelings i think it's because also i have like this timeline of things i'm supposed to reach by certain ages like the society puts on you and also just that i've put on myself like I've mentioned before that my mum had my older brother at 24, then me at 26, and my younger brother at 28. So I've always kind of had like that little clock, even though I know that that timeline was for that particular generation and that the timeline for this generation is going to be different. And then also everyone's individual timeline and pace of of things varies. I still can't quite shake the fact that I'm lagging behind. Uh, is it like career wise or just like society wise do you think I think I I feel like I'm behind in everything uh, I feel like I'm behind career wise I feel like I'm behind romantically slash starting a family wise um God. <laughs> you know yeah I know what you mean they say that you should like really get onto the stuff by the time you're 30 so I'm like okay I have six years to figure myself out actually probably start dating meet someone that I like like I'm it's it's impossible yeah isn't it weird that although you feel that you are slightly behind there's still no real push to move forward in terms of not like with career and stuff but like with romantic interests like I don't feel the push to move that forward even though I feel a little bit behind yeah, I think it's also because we don't need to get married. Yeah. We are earning our own money. So it's just like companionship and dick. 
mean, which is also really good, but I'm okay with money right now. <laughs> and it's like, we have money. We have yeah. friends for companionship. We have our own hands and our fingers and vibrators and the internet and <laughs> for yeah, we don't, dick we don't or, need or, or not or whatever. <laughs> or, or whatever else that we're interested in. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. But yeah, what's been quite interesting this week is to see like the Black Lives Movement still burning. It's been really, really nice mm. to see people still having that conversation. And that was a really bad segue. But <laughs> yes, yeah, to see people still really having the conversation, still, you know, coming out and telling their story. And I really appreciate the platform that this has created. But mm. I'm also still a bit cautious about it. I don't know, like I'm still a bit. I'm still a bit anxious about what's really going to happen. What are real what are gonna be the real results of these protests that we've been having, these conversations, these, you know, expose things that we've been that we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. Like I'm still quite anxious to see how things are going to develop. I think that in Britain, well, the vibe that I felt is that people are finally starting to listen. Mm. Like, these conversations have always been happening, but now they're just, they're happening very, very loudly and very, very obviously, so people can't really escape them. And I feel like people are finally starting to listen. Even with the outrage that came from certain people about the um, the destruction and, uh, like, when people basically took down Edward Colston's statue mm. and how people were defending the statue of a slave trader above the lives of other people like I think it really showed the glaring purchase of racism in this country that people didn't think existed anymore and it's like oh they're like people are looking around at like at like their neighbors at their politicians and seeing okay these people are actually defending it's very very hard to defend the statue of a of a slave trader as an inanimate object (laughs) <laughs> to be that angry about the destruction of an inanimate object you have to have like like what is wrong like why do you care about the did you ever know this man before did you ever know this man oh my god so goodness. i feel like it's opening people's eyes to that I and mean, also when the when the english defense league decided to do their little marches it's abhorrent that they hold these views but at the same time i'm like those same people that thought that racism was dead in, in the uk look at your cousins <laughs> Look at your brothers and sisters and your community members and and look at the anger that they have, the misplaced anger. It's also the language that was used to them. They were they were counter protesters rather than people who are obviously racist. Yeah. When you're counter protesting an anti-racism protest, you are by default a racist. (laughs) That's literally what that means. Yeah. The wishy-washy language around them. I feel like those people were just so lost it's yeah from what i saw they look like people from a lower socioeconomic background from the uk who have been left behind by this tory government and instead of pointing their anger towards the government in charge they've decided you know what we're going to be spewing our hatred towards black people yeah some of them were even pissing on the statues that they came to protect allegedly Mm. Mm-hmm. and some of them were even doing nazi salutes and they were there to defend the statue of winston churchill and i'm like okay if you're defending the statue of winston churchill isn't winston churchill's one of his greatest legacies defeating the nazis mm-hmm. you're just angry you're not making any sense mm-hmm. you're just here to cause a ruckus and i feel like they showed their asses beautifully 
Mm-mm. and I feel like people pay attention and yeah. they like you know what what you do for evil God will use for for right they came with their anger and their vim to show their asses and now the world can see okay yeah maybe racism isn't dead look at all these people with all of this displaced anger yeah. who are pointing it at just random people yeah. rather than looking at themselves in the society that they live in yeah I think showing their asses is a, such an amazing way to describe it <laughs> because that's literally what they did I was just so surprised to see them angry and protecting a statue that was already boarded up that's just that's just you know that's just mm. as, as silly as they are they don't even they're not even really thinking there's no logic behind their actions and when you try to make sense of stupidness you can't like you actually can't make sense of things that like you can't you can't put the words together how does it make sense that you blame people of a different race for your position in society like I don't get it when you hold all the power and we're lucky I guess that we have some level of education that we haven't tried to be ignorant that we haven't tried to stay in the same way and you know what it is it just shows that people are not listening like people are just seeing things and reacting and that's what like I've noticed a lot in this period is that people are not listening people are just seeing what's going on and responding in some way but it's not directly related to what we are saying it's not directly related to how we have been protesting for the past few weeks and isn't it amazing that when those people decided to come out and be the way they were they weren't really met with that much anger you know from i would say from the tory government not the same way remember the way they spoke about people that were just peacefully protesting just peacefully Mm. protesting remember all the words that they were using to describe us x y and z but when these people came out the type of reactions that I saw really showed, England really showed their asses. They really showed their asses because they're protecting statues. Can you deep it? Statues, not even like graves, not even like people, not even the grave. They're protecting something that cannot move, that cannot speak, that cannot do anything, that doesn't even really represent anything. It's just a statue of a man that lived at one point that they don't even know. I doubt they know the history behind these people. I doubt they know, but it's the fact that it's ours. Why do they think they can take it away? That's what it is, isn't it? It's that, it's that mentality. It of definitely it's ours. is. Why do they think they can take it away? Well, that's the way we feel, <laughs> you know, mm. that's the way we feel. One thing that I really, really appreciated about these two statues in particular, the one of Edwin Colson and Winston Churchill is that it really allowed people to really mine their history in a way that people have never done before. There were so many articles about Edward Coulson and how he was remembered versus what he actually did. On his statue, it said that he was a virtuous man. And people are like, clearly he wasn't. He participated in the slave trade and he himself on his ships killed at least 85,000 black people. So they're like, okay, so him by himself is not a virtuous man. Winston Churchill the famines that he caused in India led to the deaths of, I think, three to five million Indian people. Imagine. So he himself is not a virtuous, courageous person. Like, I think it's really, really opened their eyes to all of these different things and talking about colonialization in the way that they have never done before because it's something yeah. that they very much like to gloss over. Like, I think I've been seeing tweets about this man, okay, this guy, Jason Hickel. I will put this in the show notes, but he basically was talking about the Industrial Revolution and he said, 
When I was taught about the Industrial Revolution in school, I was told it emerged spontaneously from great British inventions like the steam engine and the flying shuttle. Yeah, Turns out the yeah. real history is significantly darker and much more violent than the fairy tale admits. And then he goes on to talk about how the British Revolution was powered by cotton from lands from that the they stopped. Trade. Wow. And it, the, they were able to do that through the slave trade. And then he basically talked about... Um, this is obviously 200 years of state-sponsored human trafficking. I mean, he also talked about like the Industrial Revolution of the UK also shat on poor British people. Can yeah. you remember watching Oliver Twist learning about workhouses? Yeah. About how if you're poor, the government would make you work in a workhouse. How children were shoved up chimneys. How children were, were sent inside machines to clean them because they were small enough to get like to get people in. died yeah. in the UK. Like like it's not like it just spontaneously they were the, the best. They literally sacrificed people in order to get there. And then on top of that, this guy talks about the trillions of pounds worth of resources that they have taken from other countries. He said that when Britain shifted their economy from agriculture to industry, they had to start importing food. And where did they get that food from? Their colonies, causing mm. masses of famines. Wow. And then I also learned about what they did to Ireland. Ireland was one of the countries that they took food from, causing a famine in their country. Mm. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely post this tweet. It literally is like a nine part tweet, but he basically says that like, revenues extracted from India and other colonies made up over half of the Britain's domestic budget. That money was used to pay for roads, public buildings, the welfare state, and all the markers of British development. Wow. And people are finally opening their eyes up to this. Like, you didn't just end up here by luck and sheer hard work. You literally stepped on people, stepped yeah. over people, killed people to get here. And it's the thing of, like, because British culture is very polite, like fake politeness by the way <laughs> it's not it's not real mm. because they will smile up in your face and backstab you right there as well so it's all fake the, the the culture is to gloss over things because even when i remember about the type of history that we learned in school there was no vilification of great britain none there was no vilification none whatsoever there was a lot of vilifying of other countries like germany who have constantly been open about their history by the way there was a lot of vilifying of america there was a lot of vilifying of other countries but never about england the way that we've been taught is always to uphold england as like higher like oh yeah we had people dying for world war we every year we're doing poppy every year we're wearing poppies and even in those times we're only told about white soldiers but I mm. took a taxi once. I remember I went for a job interview in Peterborough and I took a taxi and this man told me, oh yeah, I'm second generation here. And I was like, oh wow, that's really good, whatever. And he was telling me, you know, my dad what, like fought for the army, right? And I was like, oh wow. Like, and he was from an Asian, like South Asian background from, mm. what, from the way he looked. And he was like, yeah, they used to go to different countries and pick out men who look like they could fight, recruit them and make them fight in the war. They're not put forward in the actual Roman military because it is, I think, technically supposed to be for all the soldiers that fought during the wars. Yeah. But I think they just, they just, they never centred them. They never highlight them. They never show that they were there. Exactly. Like, as in, where we learnt about it, we learnt about 18-year-olds who left their homes in England. We didn't hear about those who were forced to fight in a the war. They knew nothing of that in the end, still does not benefit us. 
because the man said to me, he was like, do you know how frustrating it is when people ask me, oh, where are you from originally? Because that's where the conversation came from. He was like, oh, where are you from originally? And I was like, why is it that you asked me that question? He was like, oh, because that's the way people are here. He was like, it frustrates me so much when people are like, where are you from originally? Because this is where I'm from originally. I'm from Britain originally. But there is that constant thing to other us, despite us being an integral part in creating this society. And I don't think that has been done by accident. I think that's genuinely been done on purpose. Yeah. And the thing that really, really annoys me is the hypocrisy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand the necessity of never forget. Mm. It's just that they pick and choose what it is that we're able that, to exactly. remember. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Every tragedy that seems to happen that doesn't disproportionately affect white people is, oh, we talked about it too much. Okay, you guys always make everything about race. But the July bombings, they still talk about it as the darkest day for British history. 9-11, they still have remembrance for it. They still be making documentaries. I'm not saying those are not tragic things, but I'm saying that why do we not get remembrance for things like that when they affect people of different other races that aren't white? You know, people might say, oh, go back to your country. Maybe they'll do that there. But it's not that because they are the real reason why these things happen. They are the real terrorists. When you, when you learn about terrorism, terrorism is not based on a religion. They've just done it that way in the media. They've conflated it with religion. It's not got nothing to do with Islam. The word terrorism has come from bare long ago, but they don't teach us that. They don't teach us the root of that word. They just use it. They throw it around but they don't tell us really truly what it means. People just need to listen. They need to hear us out. In the discussion about tearing down statues, I don't know what, which British newspaper it was, but they wrote an article which was basically like, Boris Johnson, you studied classics. Mm. Even in the Greek times, when there was social change, they tore down old statues. They mm. were like, this is nothing new. You're, you allegedly studied. You should know about this. Like, It's just mm. something that happens when you, when you acknowledge that the people that you were celebrating were not fit to be celebrated, especially by today's standards. Uh, but there's been loads of people who have been looking at the statues of people that they are celebrating. One of the people that I learned about was Leopold II of Belgium and how he basically committed genocide in the Congo. And yeah, his statue is still up in Belgium and people are protesting now to get it removed. Yeah. And then there's obviously Cecil Rhodes and how Oxford... People have campaigned for them to have the statue removed before, but Oxford said that they didn't do it because they would have lost tens of millions in donations. Can you imagine people being like, I will stop donating money to you if you take down this statue of this colonial evil man? That's wild. It just shows their outrage is misplaced. And to think that they are supposed to be the most educated in the world, their outrage mm -hmm. is misplaced. It just doesn't make sense. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Like, when you say it to people, it just does not make sense that you would be angry about a statue coming down than about people's lives. Like, mm. yeah. But I'm having a great time. On TikTok, I'm honestly learning so much about the Filipino community, learning about, like, Native Americans, learning about different Polynesian communities and just different communities around the world and the struggles that they have faced. And... I don't know, maybe my algorithm on TikTok, I'm having a great time, I'm learning so much. This guy basically posted about how the reason why the kinds of people that are more likely to be conservative are working class white men 
an mm. upper class white men. He said that that's because they're most in fear of losing their status. Working class men because they have nowhere else to go. Mm. And upper class men because they really, really enjoy their privilege and they don't want to lose it. They say it's the middle class people that are more likely to be swayed and more likely to change their opinions because their value doesn't necessarily come from their place in society. Yeah. I never would have thought I would have talked about a TikTok, but our generation is honestly doing... Like, sometimes I worry about us with all of our memes. But then I'm just like, do you know what? We're actually doing quite right. Like, we're, we're okay. We're, we're doing okay. Well. You know, we're, we're at least trying to educate ourselves through memes. Can't say mm. the same for those people trying to uphold statues. They're not even reading the fine print. But another thing that made me realise that the government wasn't listening was when they appointed Minira Mirza as the UK Race Inequality Commissioner as part of that and she's now the person that's going to come up with the government strategy to deal with race and equality and inequality in the UK and I've been watching some of her videos that has been posted on Twitter and stuff and this lady is brown so she's brown-skinned woman so I guess her heritage lies in South Asia or you know other places and it's just another thing by this government to antagonize us because they've put this person there to basically say oh yeah you've got someone from a background that isn't white but she still upholds those toxic values she does not believe that racism exists she doesn't believe institutional racism is a thing she i don't like I think I've definitely sent this video, but I don't know if you actually watched it. But there was a video of her and I watched it and she basically said, oh, with those type of people, meaning black people who feel like they're going through racism, they, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember everything that she said. But she essentially said that when somebody tells you that you speak really well for a black person, you should take that as a compliment. But we take it as being aggressive. She's like, oh, you should take that as a compliment. And she says, oh, you know that in the police force, there are multiple formal meetings being taken and they're taken predominantly against black officers. And she said that when she went through that article, she didn't talk about any of the other reasons. But one of the reasons that was was because the officers, their superiors felt scared to just have a conversation with them so that they had to create a formal meeting. She was like, why do we have to live in fear? Why do we have to police ourselves? in order to speak to them because they're of a a race. This is, these are the views that she holds. And she is now forming the government strategy. Like, you couldn't make this stuff up. You actually just cannot make this stuff up. That's that's honestly, like, I'm looking her up now and I'm looking at all of these articles where people are like, already the, the Black Lives Matter UK protesters are saying that she must go. You cannot have someone in that position who doesn't think that racism exists. She doesn't. She thinks that she thinks that we're looking for attention. She thinks that we were just too sensitive, that they can't make jokes with us. But your jokes are racist. Like, why is that hard for you to understand? Like, why is it people want to be able to just live and forget that other people are experiencing the way you're living? If you're going to come into contact with me, I have my experiences too. You can't invalidate them to suit your standard. No. How can she say, if they say that you speak, you're well articulated, you should take that as a compliment? No, it's not a compliment to say I speak well for a black person because you have a stereotype of black people. And she sounds educated enough to know that. 
when I watched that video, I was actually scared because if she is creating the strategy, the UK is not going to move forward. They're actually going to go backwards. But I will link that below as well um, because watching that video really gave me an insight into the fact that people are just not listening. They're just hearing us, but they're not listening to how change needs to happen, especially this government. They do not care about us. It was so apparent in that interview that the Sky News that they had on Sky News with Matt Hancock and they asked him how many black people are in the cabinet and he mentioned Rishi and he mentioned Pretty Patel. <laughs> they're not black. <laughs> like, they're not black. And he says, oh, it's the Boris Johnson cabinet is so diverse. We have people of ethnic minorities. And the presenter told him, I'm not asking about ethnic minorities. I'm asking about black people because this is the problem. You group us together when we have different struggles. And he was like, yeah, but we have pretty, we have... They're not black. Like, any... do you see what I mean? Even the Asian people do not claim pretty Patel. They've thrown <laughs> her to the wolves. Imagine. They're definitely not claiming Manira definitely not claiming her but that's what they're doing they're putting brown people up to appease everyone that isn't white and it's like it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way and it's the same thing we're seeing in america these values that they're upholding with your trumps and your boris johnson's is because they're i don't even know like they have a selfish trait that they're following because it definitely does not benefit them in the long run it won't benefit their children. And they don't think of that mm. because they want to be close to whiteness. That's all it is. That's all it is. Because even when I've seen videos before the pandemic, I was watching videos of young black conservatives in America who like actually went to rallies for Trump and stuff. And I remember just watching the videos and thinking like, rah, you guys are just selfish. Like, I can't really relate to you. I'm not even like a liberal, liberal, liberal like that. But I can't relate to reasons why you would vote for such a, ma a man like this who is literally separating kids from their families. It's not just about the one thing. It's not just about one thing in their manifesto. It's about how is this going to affect society as a whole? I also don't understand how people can't see that the tides are turning. Like, this is a historical moment. I don't understand how people can't see that they're on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Like, it just blows my mind. Yeah. They're going to be the villains here and they, and they just don't get it. They can't see it. And on top of that, coronavirus is still very, 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 very real. I read a report this week that immunity may only last for three months, which is terrifying because it means people might not be as safe as they previously thought once they've actually had the disease. So, yeah, we're still learning a lot and we can't have our society not working for us. You know, we can't have that. We can't have them benefiting one half of society and leaving the other half to die in whatever form that takes. Oh, gosh. And now China are going through a second wave of coronavirus. Yeah. Goodness. How do we always end up here? <laughs> because like, this is when everyone's like, oh, this has got nothing to do with race. Everything has to do with race. Everything has to do with politics. Everything, everything is a political act. Absolutely everything. 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 And you not speaking out, you not caring is a privilege. You are upholding a privilege by saying, I don't care. And to be honest, this is going to sound quite harsh, but I don't think I can take 
my friendship serious. Like, if there was a person in my life that didn't that didn't care about this stuff, I don't think I could take my friendship with them seriously. Because it means you don't care about my humanity. See, that's where I've been a bit nervous. Because there are certain friends that I have in mind who we've been talking pretty consistently. And then since this has all kicked off, it's been like silence. Mm. And I'm just like, do I just need to go in there and be like, oh, so do you want to go to a protest with me? Like, are you doing anything? And then yeah. maybe that will be a way to to yeah. kick off the conversation. And Because, you know, when you're just like you're, you're looking at their posts on social media, and you're trying to gauge where they stand and you're like, OK, this person didn't put up a black square. Is that a, a death I've been, I've been that... seeing it. I've been seeing it and I've been taking note of it. And for me, it's I don't know. I, I really, I really, obviously they're saying, oh yeah, you can't put a burden, but I feel like if you're my friend, if you're someone that I speak to on a regular basis, if you're someone that's known me for a long time, who has not looked at me and say, oh, I don't see colour, because that's BS as well. If you've seen my outrage, if you've seen my post, if you've seen stuff, and you have not come to me, and you're somebody that I consider my friend, because I understand feeling nervous. I understand like, oh, I don't know how to approach this. But even send me a post and say, oh, what are your thoughts on this? Send me a meme, send me a TikTok. If you haven't done any of that, and this has been going on for long enough, there's been enough things. It doesn't have to be a full-blown conversation of, oh, how is it being black? It doesn't have to be that, but it it has to be some level of acknowledgement that you see what's going on and you are with me and you support me. Yeah. But give it time. Maybe they will come around. Give it time. Because, like, even some of my friends that I didn't know were going to protest, I wasn't giving them the side eye because I knew they knew about the stuff and I knew that even, like, when we've spoken in the past, they've brought it up to me without me even having to prompt that conversation. So it wasn't, like, something we had to talk about now because it's stuff that we've spoken about before. Mm. But with people that I've never spoken about this with before and they're seeing what's going on, I'm looking at them sideways. 100% I am. 100% I am. But give them time because maybe they will come around. Maybe they're still trying to, like, figure out how they are going to approach you. Yeah. But it can't go back to normal. Yeah, it can't go back to normal, Leah. It can't. This is the new normal. Like, we've been saying this ever since Corona. It's like, this is the new normal. This is how everything's going to be. People are going to have to talk about their shit. Like, do you know what really boggles my mind? Because there's Mm. been a recent spout of, like, well, people have been getting outed for doing all sorts of things like sexual assault or like targeting, like actively pursuing people who are underage. And I'm just like, how long did you think that you could go around doing crimes during Corona with no one knowing? (laughs) Not even during Corona, but just like in general. So you thought that you could literally just go around raping and that no one would no one would say anything forever forever like you really like the hubris just yeah. the the sheer like delusion to think that oh yeah i'm i'm like above the law like i can go around i can specifically target underage girls i can specifically do x y and z thing i can specifically be racist in the office and make sure that it's a very very uncomfortable workspace for minority people like i can actively do that and nothing will happen to me like how long did you think that that was going to last Mm, it's true you know it's true did you think that people were just going to continuously accept it that they must have done yeah because that's all they've known as in so many people have had like i'm just grouping all the abhorrent behavior together Mm. but it's just like 
it's mad that people really thought that they could go around treating people badly. Yeah. Just consequence free. Yeah. No, take your resignation and sit take your ass it. down. Yeah. You can't move mad and not expect that somebody will move madder. <laughs> That's basically what it is. <laughs> you, can't, you can't move mad and not expect that somebody else out there will move madder. And that's what people need to understand that we deserve in any form. I'm talking about any type of situation where there's a victim and there's a perpetrator. That person will get their justice some way, somehow. It will happen. And guess what? This is the time of reckoning is here. Corona Mm -hmm. brought everybody inside. And now we're speaking because guess what? We realize we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. Our parents have told us to stay in our place, to not make too much of a ruckus. And we, we found out that doesn't help because Corona could come and take us away. So why live a life of fear? Mm. People also have more time on their hands than they've ever done before. People, people yeah. are furloughed. People are like, okay, my future is uncertain anyway. Yeah. Might as well do something. Like, let me take this gamble and make it a better life for yeah. when things, you know, figure yeah. themselves out. And you know what? It's a small price to pay to finally have some some level of justice. To me, I don't want to lose my job, obviously, but I'm saying that it's a small price to pay. Like losing a job or like getting cussed out is a small price to pay for the greater good of our society. It's a small mm-hmm. price to pay for a better society for our children to grow up in. It's a small price to pay for people to not lose their lives over sleeping in a car. It's a small price to pay for people to die just because they are black. It's a very, very small price to pay for people to be able to live and not have to think about how war-torn their countries is, how poor their countries are, how big the inequality gap is. It's a small price to pay. And I genuinely think that it's a cause absolutely worth fighting for just to be seen that's all we're asking for just see us don't look at us and just see oh you know they're black see us as just humans like that's literally always asking that's what any any group of people any group of people who are fighting for a cause they're just asking to be seen trans people are just asking to be seen as who they are Women were just asking to be seen as women, not as lower in society, not worthy of the same treatment as men do. That is the same thing that we're asking for, just to be seen. Oh, yeah. In the spirit of everyone speaking out about their experiences and how they've been treated, Misha B recently posted about her experience of being vilified on X Factor. Mm. And how that was racially motivated. Wow. I saw the video on Instagram. It's quite long. I think it's nearly an hour. So I couldn't mm. watch all of it because there were bits of it. She was talking about her spirit and stuff and like how she felt she just had to come out and say something. But what I can talk to you was my experience because did you watch X Factor around the time when she was on? Mm. I just remember thinking, where's this all coming from? Because I adored Misha B like I have not stopped listening to Misha B's songs even though she's she left X Factor quite early 
this girl was talented like and then when they start to talk about the fact that she's a bully she she used to bully kids and now and then talisa made that statement live on tv in front of everybody Mm. i remember just thinking like where is this all coming like it just seemed like it came out of nowhere And on, and on top of that, I remember thinking, why did we need to know that this will, this is what is going on? Like, it almost felt new that we knew what was going on backstage because they're not very open about what goes on backstage. We just sort of see the show being put together and being, like, quite heavily produced. So I just remember thinking, like, that is mad. Like, why is this happening to Misha? Why are they saying this? Because I really looked up to her, even though I think she was like just a couple of years older than me at the time. But I really, really looked up to her. I thought she was amazing. Her set about like Rolling Deep, because Rolling Deep was a big song at the time. And she was rapping. She was singing. She was a dark skinned girl. She looked like me. She had similar hair to me. I was vibing with her. And then to hear years on that all of that was manufactured. It's the fact that, like, you can see in the video when this happened, because obviously the video's out there, you can see the shock in Kelly's face. After yeah. that, can, you can see the shock in Gary Barlow's face. He wrote about that instance in his book about how, in X Factor, behind the scenes, they manufacture drama. And I think he mentioned that Misha B was one of those instances where he was like, what is going on? I just used to think that X Factor was a talent show. Obviously, I know that production goes on. Like, obviously, as if not that obviously, but if you're not familiar with media, you don't know much about production and producing and manufacturing things and making things look a certain way. But obviously, now that I know a little bit more about how those things work, it's really, really sad that she was just thrown to the wolves like that at 19. She mm. was a baby. She was a baby and she literally came on that show to be a star because that's the way they made it seem. And I remember even my friend who went to audition for X Factor, like she got through most of the stages and they kept saying to her, oh, you need a sob story. You need a sob story. She was like, I don't have a sob story. I thought this was just a show about singing. And they were like, no, you need a sob story. You need Mm -hmm. to come up with something that's going on in your life. She was like, I don't have anything that's going on in my life. Like I'm literally a church girl. I just want to sing. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah so sorry, we can't take you through then. Because she wouldn't come up with something, a sub story to say. It's also just the thing that really bothered me was how they were so frightened or shaken by Misha B's confidence mm. that, that they were actually telling her that she's too confident. It's Can just like, imagine? if you are feeling insecure, that's your own personal problem. Your insecurity is a you issue. I did not understand why they were like, why don't you work to build the confidence in your contestants rather than tearing down this other girl because you think that she's too confident or too much Uh. for being comfortable in who she is. It's one of those things where when people look at um, conventionally unattractive people or people who are like, when they look at fat people and they're like, oh, I can't believe you have so much confidence because in their heads, they think that because you're fat, because you're not conventionally looking like X, Y, and Z, you shouldn't be confident yeah and it's like no no that's like you like it just shows that they are they have it all wrong confidence should come from within from from what you can do and what you can offer you need to work on yourself so that you're not shaken by every single thing that happens all around you yeah that's your problem that's that sounds like mm. a you problem <laughs> as they mm. say on twitter that sounds like a you problem and i really appreciated the fact that kelly really stood up for her kelly was like mm. don't 
you were how can you say that she's overly confident that she should tone down her confidence when has that ever been a negative Mm. being confident when has that ever been a negative that you need to tone down your confidence you need to tone down everything about you so that other people don't feel threatened i don't give a damn if they feel threatened i'm in a competition i'm not here to collect rice i'm here to win Mm. i'm literally here to (laughs) win (laughs) no they must have thought misha b was there to collect rice and season chicken no she was there to win so if everybody else felt threatened good on them they should have worked on themselves one thing that I really, really appreciated from listening to Misha B's full interview is how she said that Kelly really rallied for her. She said that Kelly took her aside and she said that her and Kelly prayed together, that her oh. Kelly was like, stay strong. This this stuff happens. Like the fact that there was that level of support from from someone who was already like someone in a position of power who, who could clearly understand what yeah. was happening. What was going on. And took on. her under a wing and was like, and was like, sweetie, this isn't about you. Yeah, and she even not. said in, in in her video, she said, "This is much bigger than me. This is, this yeah. is something else that's happening." Yeah, and then on top of that, Talisa released her video. Her video of it wasn't an apology, because she just wanted to speak at the end of it. Did you watch the video? She said, "Oh, I'm sorry if da da da," and I'm like, "If you say if you're saying sorry like that, then you're not sorry." She's not sorry. Talisa's you know? not. Talisa's not sorry. Talisa saw that Misha B's video was 57 minutes and decided that she wasn't going to watch it and she was just going to be defensive and just talk out of her ass because that's literally what she did for I think like three minutes. Talisa said I'm sorry that you felt that way but Misha B was x y and z she was not nice to people behind the scenes she was and this is the thing Talisa is still perpetuating nonsense and this is why I keep saying people are not listening. Talisa did not listen. Because if Talisa watched mm. that video, took her time and listened to Misha B, I guarantee you that would not be her response. Talisa said, I'm not racist because my dad lived in Congo. Are those two things... Did, does that even make sense? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, when you think about that, don't, did, don't, does that... I, I, I just don't know. Okay, the the thing that we really need to discuss, this is another thing that I learned from, like, I listened to on the high-low, and I was like, that says it perfectly. They basically said that the bar for racism in the UK is really, really high. So yeah. for, something to be, for something to be considered racism, you have to be in the EDL, you have to commit hate crimes, you have to say the N-word, say the P-word, say all of these other derogatory slurs. And mm. that's what they consider racism to be. And they mm. were like, mm, actually, what racism actually is, is the systemic things, and it's also all of the little microaggressions, all of the little assumptions that you have about dark-skinned girls, all of the little assumptions, like the colorism things that, that sprout up, that is racism too. It's not yeah. just these big, big things. Like, I love when people post on social media about, like, things like that triangle of racism. And right at the top, it's those very, very obvious things. But then there's all of these covert things that happen that yeah. also participate in the structural racism that allows those bigger things, allows people to people to feel justified in committing those bigger offences. Yeah. Especially in the UK, like, where... like most of the type of racism that we experience here is covert don't get me wrong the the uk is quite race like quite violent as well but in terms of day-to-day living it's just minute things but it's still racist it doesn't have to be you don't have to call me the n-word for you to be racist to me 
You can have a white friend and be, ra- uh, sorry, a black friend and be racist. And that's what people need to understand. You said your dad grew up in Congo. Excuse me, why was your dad in Congo to begin with? I don't mm-hmm. think he was, do you know what I mean? Like, these are the type of questions we need to be asking. Why was your dad in Congo to begin with? What were they doing in Congo? Do you know, do you know the history around Congo? Do you know what kind of colonialism they faced? That's not something you should even be proud of. You should just keep your mouth shut because if your dad was there for what is that thing that they were doing, ministry, unless her dad was there for ministry to try to get people to join Christianity, that was not even, that was not, that was not cute because they used force to get people to drop their tribalism to become Christians. Mm. You know, Talisa, you need to go back to the drawing board because you said your your friends told you that you need to educate yourself. Clearly, I don't know which books you've been reading, but you have not done anything. Yeah. And then also Alexandra Burke released a video where she was discussing the racism that she faced. And she revealed that when she joined the X Factor, the first time that she auditioned, she was 16 and she didn't get past judges' houses. Mm. And she said that she was given the number of someone from the team, she didn't name names, um, who basically said that you didn't get through to judges' houses, but you call me um, later on and I will give you a record contract. And she said that she called the number and the person basically said, oh, I already have a black girl on my label, so I don't really need another one. (gasps) And how, yeah. And how when she did win, uh, when she was 19, she said that she still faced racism because her record label sat her down and they were like, okay, so you can't have your hair in box braids. You can't have your natural texture. When you really think about it and you look at all of the things that you've seen her in, she's always had like a straight wig. Always. 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 So they were basically, it's because she said that they told her that. They tried to get her to bleach her skin, but she said no. But she was told, okay, your your hair can't look like this. You have to act this way. And this is someone who won. So imagine... And I didn't get to get to the end of her video because I'm sure she said that she was also going to discuss the treatment that she faced on Strictly because similar accusations against Alexandra Burke came out in Strictly. People were excusing her of being a bully on Strictly as well. Hmm. But also Alexandra Burke was a great dancer. I think it's just the way that people view the confidence of black women that it just yeah. it threatens them. They think that my being good at something threatens you. Yeah, and it's, it's like, violent, just look, yeah. read your own book, <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> Listen, it's not everybody that will be confident. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Not everybody. Stay in your lane. Leah, you've got it right. Stay in your lane. Listen, I don't get upset that Serena Williams is a good tennis player. I stick to chemistry because that's what I'm good at. I don't feel like her mm-hmm. <laughs> her success is violent to me, you know? Sweetie, uh, just because your cha-cha is not as good as my cha-cha doesn't mean that, you know, you need to just work on your rumba instead. Yeah, work just, on your salsa instead. <laughs> work on your paso doble, honey. It's not by force, okay? Like, we're all, we're all going to have our areas of expertise. I should not now dumb myself down in order to appease your whiteness. I'm sorry, that's not going to be the case. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would say, I'd come home with 90%. My mom would say to me, does somebody get 100% in your class? That's the kind of level of, I mean, that's also a little bit toxic. But I'm saying that we've been taught, we've been brought up with that level of, always striving for greatness and not thinking too tough about what everybody else is doing. It's always about you, always about Mm. how you can make yourself better. And maybe that's why there's a higher level of confidence in Misha B because Misha B worked on her craft. She knew she was good at what she was doing. She knew she was the baddest bitch in the room. Even if she's not, she felt that way. And the Mm. same with Alexandra Burke. She knew she could dance. So for you to come now and be feeling threatened because you can't move your feet, that's none of her business. That's again, a you problem. 
one of the greatest moments in yeah. X Factor history was when Alexandra Burke duetted with Beyonce. Have they ever got a bigger artist to come? No. She's sensational. She's so good. And it, it, like you could definitely see that her career wasn't as big because of who she is. Yeah, Like, she sure. wasn't able to be a, as big of a pop star, so then she went into the West. I love the fact that she pivoted. She said, you know what? I have a skill. I'm going to learn how to act. She went into the West End, and she's been doing great. Good for her. They mm. were giving her songs like, the bad boys are all with... That's not... That girl can sing. She could have come up with a banging R&B song, like, album. Mm. Banging. But they... Obviously, the the premise of the show... Is to create pop stars, so and to see how I think the the Little Mix girls have come out and said a couple of things as well, but I'm not sure to what extent they've actually said something. But yeah, I'm sure their experience has been quite interesting as well, to say the least. But yeah, yeah, because the bar for racism is so high, it's interesting for people to reconcile their actions and their thoughts mm. as well, and say that mm. do you know what? Even though you didn't think it at the time, that actually was racism yeah and just be humble like i think there's a lot of strong-headed people who who are just doing too much like just be humble if somebody says to you this is offensive to me just accept it there's no need to question how offensive or how mean or how inappropriate something was if if something if you say to someone hey bitch and they tell you i don't want you to call me a bitch that is enough of a reason for you to stop calling that it doesn't matter how you feel about the word it doesn't matter how often you use the word it doesn't matter how frequent it is in your vocabulary you just stop if you hug person if you hug a person and they say i don't want you to hug me anymore it doesn't matter how you feel about that it's about that person's experience with you and they've said it just accept it and be humble and move on it's it's really that yeah. simple like i don't i don't get why people are making life so difficult when it doesn't have to be i think it's it's also also because there's not one person that hasn't been affected by racism or that doesn't perpetuate yeah. racism in some small sort of way every single yeah. person does, like it's like it's in the split second thing that your brain does like you can't have lived your whole life like lived your 23 or or 30 odd years believing certain things it doesn't just change overnight mm. like you you will still have split second perceptions of people but now that mm. you know better it's up to you to be like but i've thought that initial thing but i now know better so i'm yeah. going to do better yeah absolutely guys let's keep the conversation going i mean it's difficult it's hard but we need to do it uh, to constantly educate ourselves hopefully create a better society for everybody to thrive we hope you've enjoyed this episode feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter at r2pence that's o-u-r the number two p-e-n-c-e on both instagram and twitter i've been vivian and i've been leah Thank you for listening, See guys. See you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye. Bye.